Well, welcome back to the Darting Through the Faith podcast. I'm Father Sean Wilson, and with me is Julia Monin. It's been a week away, Julia. How are you? Uh, rusty. Rusty. How are yeah, you? Yeah, we were very rusty. <laughs> I tried to do, we do a little clap to like sync the sound in the video. And I mean, I think I almost missed my hands. Uh, he, it took him three times to clap. Was it three? He did the knuckle. Oh, I did the knuckle. Yeah. The not so good. And then so three three times to clap. He was also practicing. In honor of the Trinity. Right. It was an honor. You were also a, practicing throwing darts. How'd that yeah. go? Um, it bounced back and I caught it, which I mean, is bad on numerous things. Darts aren't supposed to rebound. Mm-hmm. And if they do, you're probably not supposed to go towards them. Right. So anybody has safety goggles, OSHA approved safety mm-hmm. goggles, I'd like to start wearing them when yeah. Yeah, that's smart. Throwing. That's smart. <laughs> smart. It perked my hand and I got the stigmata. Yeah. And we talked about that. I, I use that joke already. So yeah, I, I tried to tell you that I don't think that's how that works, but, and we agreed to disagree. <laughs> so there's that everyone who's listening. This yeah. is the mood we're in today. Yeah. So be warned. <laughs> that's not going to be good. <laughs> Can you please pray? Yeah. In the name of the father and the son, and the Holy spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we give you thanks uh, for your son, Jesus Christ, and the salvation that he offers for us. We ask that you may always uh, guide us in um, in receiving this love, that you may always open our hearts to a deeper appreciation of the salvation won for us in your son, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right, fun times today. Fun, fun times. times. We're on, uh, what is it, 595 to 605? Correct. Is it the trial and kind of redemption of, of our Christ's redemptive death and God's plan of salvation? So the trial is kind of the first half, and then kind of, I would say, the Father's view of mm-hmm. the crucifixion was mm-hmm. that second half. Yeah. Yeah, when, you, when I read the title here, Jesus' Trial and Redemption, before I read a word, I felt like I had to, like, physically prepare myself, right? Mm. Like, just like, okay. This is going to be not rainbows and butterflies. No, but no. It, it didn't become rainbows and butterflies, but suffering has beauty in it yeah. and great purpose and meaning. And I believe this last half was really showing us that or trying to relay that to us. Mm-hmm. So any hoosies that's official. That's an official. Any hoosies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like it's probably not the first time it's made it on this podcast. <laughs> Do I say it a lot? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Somebody's, I, I, I wonder if I might've said it before. Any hoosies. Any hoosies. We're moving on. So, yeah, so the trial of Jesus, the trial of Jesus starting in paragraph 595. Um, so this first section, 595, 596, talking about that there are divisions among Jewish authorities concerning Jesus. Some hate him. Some don't. Right. <laughs> but it seems like the ones who don't are kind of secret, right? Mm-hmm. So, and the examples that are given are Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus who are, Pharisees, but they're kind of secret. And I think Nicodemus shows up early in John's gospel, and then he pops up again later. Joseph of Arimathea helps with kind of the burial of Jesus's body. So there's this kind of, um, you know, it's not crystal clear, right? We don't want to whitewash or paint with too broad of strokes as to all of the Jewish authorities were out to get Jesus, that there was, there was some division mm-hmm. as, as usual. Mm-hmm. We're recording this on inauguration day. Mm-hmm. Division. <laughs> Division. We are seeing it. Yeah. Nothing else. I got nothing else. I got, I'm saying nothing yeah. else. We're moving on. Okay. Yeah. So that's where it wasn't. It's so it's, it starts off with just this recognition that everything's, everything's not just like, um, um, I guess just not to generalize. Yeah. Maybe that's the right, right. Way. right. Um, 
So yeah, so pointing out that many believed in him, though very imperfectly, that's quoting scripture, but the, yeah, but exactly what we said, that he did have some some believers, they were perhaps believing him in, per, in this imperfect way, in this secret way, but it's like you said, not so black and white, where everybody was 100% out to kill him. And there's there's the this complexity to it, and I think the next paragraph, 597, kind of relates to this, but the one before it kind of describes it, that it's not just we don't like what Jesus is saying. Let's kill him. It's well, we have this position within Rome, right? Roman's a pagan empire. And you know, normally you have to sacrifice to Jupiter or Juno or all of these other Roman gods, but they let us live our own Jewish faith. So we kind of have to keep the peace and we have to play nice because the Romans are letting us do our thing here. There's a bit of religious freedom, which doesn't always happen. And so because they're trying to like play nice, they, they don't, they don't want to rock the boat too much. And this Jesus guy is rocking the boat. So, so if Jesus kind of begins these divisions amongst the Jewish people, then there's this kind of fear that, well, what are the Romans going to do? Right. Are they just going to come wipe us all out? And then we can't do this Jesus thing, or we can't do continue our Jewish practices. And we all have to, you know, go offer incense to the Athena's whatever. So what is underlying that? That's beautiful, by the way. It gives me a lot to chew on. But like underlying all of this then is this this fear. Yeah. Right? This fear that these Roman authorities have control over us. And if we don't keep the peace among our own people, then that itself is going to be destroyed. So um, fear is never a good motivator. <laughs> it's not. It's so, not. Um, okay. So then the next section, 597 the subheader, Jews are not collectively responsible for Jesus's death. That's going to be followed up by another subheader. All sinners were the authors of Christ's passion. So essentially saying we can't just say the Jews killed Jesus. It was our sins who put him on the cross. Right. And so it also recognizes this like historical complexity of the whole thing that the, you know, and I think this is probably a different kind of generation that's not so much a part of, I think this is an answer to maybe history or different parts in history where the Jews were blamed for the death mm-hmm. of Jesus. In our day and age, I think this particular teaching has been so widespread mm-hmm. that I don't, I don't think, um, you know, and this is an extreme example. I don't think a Christian now would, if they met a Jewish person would accuse them of this. Right. Mm-hmm. And whereas maybe in a different day and age, it would have been or mm-hmm. accuse their ancestors. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess, the catechism has been listened to in this regard. Um, but there, there might've been a time when that is, but part of the, part of the, um, the reason it gives is that Jesus forgives all of those who crucified him and pleads for their ignorance, mm-hmm. forgive them father for they know not what mm-hmm. they're doing. And, um, that's powerful. Those words like to forgive someone cause they don't know how much they're hurting us. Right. And I think that's, Oftentimes in our own lives, like we can hold grudges, we can have a lot of bitterness, we can have a lot of, um, we've been wronged by somebody and we hold that in our hearts and the other person doesn't even know, like they don't even know how much like what they say or what they've done has hurt us. And, um, so maybe they do, but for us to be able to forgive them, cause really they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, and yeah. that's the reality. Yeah. That's, that's the, to, that's the truth of it all. Yeah. Can we, we need to do a podcast sometime on like, wh- how do we actually forgive? It's a question I get all the time. Like, how do I actually forgive somebody? Um, and I, I don't think it's a clear, like, Oh, you just do this. And then right. it's gone. Like all how the do bad I know feelings. If I've forgiven somebody. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Comes up in the confessional a lot too. I believe that. Yeah. 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 I've been holding a grudge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And sometimes like, well, yeah, maybe it's a different topic <laughs> yeah. for a different day. Yeah. Uh, there is something here though. That's yeah. We could do a topic on that. Okay. We'll pin, put a pin in that for now. We'll come back to that. Shall we? I mean, we probably should, but we'll just see wherever the dark okay, takes that us. That sounds good. That sounds good. Okay, so Jews are not collectively responsible for Jesus' death. <laughs> we are. <laughs> we are. And this reminds me of this cute little story. So my little guy's three years old, right? About six, eight months ago, he started really noticing the crucifix and asking, what mm. happened to Jesus? What happened to Jesus? And then he started answering me or telling me, bad guys did that to him. Mm. I'm like, I don't know who's telling you, but that's bad theology. Yeah. Like I'm correcting that right now. Bad yeah. guys did not don't bring do that. that weak stuff in here. Eh? Bad guys did not do that. Our sins did that. So now, yeah, the question of what happened to Jesus, what happened to Jesus, our, our sins put him on the cross or he died for our sins. Yeah. Right. So just we'll correct that right now. Yeah. There was a line in that quote from St. Francis of Assisi, nor did demons crucify mm. him. It was you who have crucified him and crucify him still when you delight in your vices mm. and sins. That, I mean, you think, I don't delight in my sins. Well, you know, how often do we laugh about how much somebody drank the night before, right? Mm. How much do we, uh, do we like kind of revel in the fact that, yeah, I really told them off. I really, you know, I really got the better of them. Like how often do we, we kind of take joy in the fact that, that we, we were not charitable, right? Mm -hmm. And and we were right and somebody else was wrong. I mean, Those are great guilty. Points. Those are great points. Yeah. I wrote in that little paragraph, this is in 598, I put a sad face and then sad but true. Because <laughs> it's yeah. the reality. We must regard as guilty all those who continue to relapse into their sins. Since our sins made the Lord Christ suffer the torment of the cross, those who plunge themselves into disorders and crimes crucify the Son of God anew in their hearts for he is in them and hold him up to contempt. So like, yeah, the ignorance thing, right? That some don't know. And then it's, it goes on to say, but we, however, profess to know him. We say we know him. Mm -hmm. And when we deny him by our deeds, we in some way seem to lay violent hands on him. And then it ends again, like with that quote from St. Francis, nor did demons crucify him. It is you who have crucified him and crucify him still when you delight in your vices and sins. Yeah. Sad, but true. And also so unhealthy if we ignore that. Right. Like we have to always be mindful of, of course, God being love and God being mercy and that his mercy triumphs even the darkest and worst of our sins. But when we try to pretend that we're not these sinners who did mm. this, that's so unhealthy for the life of our souls. Right. right? Yeah. That's all I got. Yeah. And of course there's that other extreme, right? Where, because of this, we're completely unworthy and we're completely unlovable. And we're because I'm, so this gets to the next section, yeah. right? That actually it, this is the reason that Christ died mm -hmm. because, because we are this way, because we are just broken um, human beings that Christ died for us for mm -hmm. that reason to, to redeem us from that. And so, I mean, it's, it's like, if you, if you're, you're sick, you have to re recognize you're sick, right? Mm -hmm. You have to be enough of an adult to say, yeah, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent. And then to be able to, to get the treatment, mm -hmm. right. And the, the doctor is there to provide the treatment to, mm -hmm. to help. And, mm -hmm. uh, Jesus is the super treater. 
Oh, yeah. Treater? Uh, physician, maybe? Doctor? Divine physician. Divine physician. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what they call them. That's what they call that's them. That's what they call them. <laughs> so, yeah, this next section then talks about Christ's redemptive death and God's plan of salvation. This mm. wasn't just a random thing. God the Father isn't just like, hey, let's go down right. there, suffer a little bit, right? Right. So, talking a lot in this section about divine providence and God's plan in all of this. Yep. So, he, Jesus is handed over. Um, according to the definitive plan of God. So it's, and it, I, I kind of struggled with this section just as far as, cause it's trying to get this, this balance between, it wasn't as if people um, didn't have any free will. It was all them doing it. And are they didn't, ha- it was all God's plan. They were just kind of, they were just puppets in God's plan, which is the way Providence always, it's always the struggle in Providence mm-hmm. versus these people being fully, um, fully, uh, what would you say? Responsible and God just saying, well, that's what happened, right? Mm-hmm. That, so there's this mystery of providence in how all of this work, that this is part of the Lord's plan. And you you hear, like, you know this because mm-hmm. Jesus prepares his disciples for this, right? Whoever, you have to pick up your cross and follow me. And that's like, what do you mean your cross? Like, mm-hmm. um, but he, so he knows it's coming, right? Mm-hmm. So he's choosing this time after time. And um, yeah. So yeah, divine providence is this this mystery of our faith that is stretches your mind to think mm-hmm. about it. So in six, paragraph 600, it reads, To God, all moments of time are present in their immediacy. When therefore he establishes his eternal plan of quote-unquote predestination, he includes in it each person's free response to grace. So though God has providence, all of this worked out, doesn't mean that it in any way has has um Get taken away our free will. It's just that he knows us so well that he knows how we're going to respond. Mm-hmm. So just because I know how you're going to respond doesn't mean that I've made you respond that way. But but God has worked all of that, our inactions, our actions, our falls, our triumphs, all of that into his plan of salvation. And so exactly what you said, that people weren't puppets. You know, Judas wasn't a puppet just saying, well, somebody had to hand him over. So Judas right. is the one that had to do that. He totally, that was totally his free will to do that. But God foresaw that and had worked that into his plan of salvation. Yeah. So a lot of divine providence here. Right. So the next couple uh, paragraphs, or I guess just the next one, he died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. So it's kind of like the the fact that this had been prepared for and pointing especially to the... um, to the suffering servant in Isaiah about how this is fulfilling all that scripture had prepared for that God would send his son. And of course it's there in like seed form, right? Mm-hmm. It's not explicitly like in the year this year, then the son of God will come and he'll be put to death. And you know, it's not that it's not that spelled out in the old Testament, but looking back, we can see how Christ mm-hmm. fulfills everything that the old Testament had. Even, you know, like people, uh, um, grace was lost on a tree, right? In the garden of Eden. And then on the wood of a cross on another tree is where salvation happens. I'm so sorry, but is that bad when you said grace and you're obviously talking about grace, the gift of God, but I'm thinking our grace oh. was lost on a tree. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. grace, even I haven't got lost on a tree before. <laughs> <laughs> Just fall. You'll find the floor. You'll find the ground. <laughs> I mean, I have gotten lost. We could we could have another yeah, show about that. Yeah, we could have another one about getting um, lost. But not ever on a tree, Grace. But okay, yes, Grace. Okay, so on the tree, and then it was the tree that redeemed it. We mm-hmm. talked about that before. What's that called? In Typology. Sc- okay, right. Yeah. So we talked about that in our scripture podcast. So God has this plan, this last section. 
God's plan, divine providence, this paragraph 601, it's revealed in the scriptures, okay? And then 602 and 603 kind of points out that it was for us that he did this, right? So for our sake, God made him to be sin. Right. Not for, not because Christ deserved it, right? Not because, you know, he's getting punished or something like that. And not even because we're punished. Mm -hmm. It's, um, and it says in 603, he assumed us, he assumed us in the state of our waywardness of sin. So like Christ enters into the worst of us, right? He enters into, um, to the worst parts of humanity, whether it's, uh, abandoning somebody you love, like all of those disciples abandoned him, physical suffering, the scourging, the the beatings, everything that went along with that, or even like political injustice, right? Mm-hmm. Everything that happened with Pilate and being a man of completely devoid of integrity, mm-hmm. um, like all of those things, he he enters into the waywardness of sin, not because he deserved it, but so that he can transform it through his gift of love, and and the love that he he. Uh, exemplifies. Yes. And therefore by doing that, by becoming man, sanctifying man, right? Mm-hmm. Like this has been the theme in my life of prayer personally for the, like this past month is just this, our human natures and how so quick we are to like, to beat ourselves up about our weaknesses and our imperfections. And we get like, we're like hamsters on a wheel. We just keep, mm-hmm. I should be better. I should be feeling better. I shouldn't be having these negative feelings. I should be this. I should be that. I should be this. And we beat ourselves up for being human. And really, we become more like Christ when we become more fully human because he himself became man, right? Um, not an angel, not a tree. He became man. So anyway, like this really been hitting home with me, this idea like our salvation, we won't we won't be sanctified outside of our humanity. It's because of it, right? Right. Um, and that Christ offers us that path to become more like him. I also loved this in 603 where it says, um, but in the redeeming love that always united him to the Father, he assumed us in the state of our waywardness of sin to the point that he could say in our name from the cross, mm. my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I just loved how that was worded, and I never thought of it that way, to the point that he could say in our name. Right. Yeah. He's speaking on our behalf. Mm-hmm. Those moments when we feel forsaken, when mm-hmm. we feel abandoned by God, mm-hmm. that um, we cry out with him. Mm-hmm. Mm. So for our sake, God made him to be sin, this redeeming Christ. He sent Christ for our sake to redeem us, right? To to sanctify our humanity again because it had been destroyed. Um, okay. Then the last couple paragraphs, God takes the initiative of universal redeeming love. By giving up his own son for our sins, God manifests that his plan for us is one of benevolent love prior to any merit on our part. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the expiation for our sins. God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And herein goes kind of what I was just talking about with this. We want so badly to be rid of every teeny tiny imperfection and weakness. And part of it is just being human, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're, we, it's impossible for us to be perfect. We're human beings. And we have to understand this by giving up his own son for our sins. God manifests that his plan is one of love prior to any merit on our part. We are undeserving and unworthy of it, right? right? It's not like because we do X, Y, and Z, then God loves us, yes. which I mean, is the way like in some ways we're miswired that way. Mm -hmm. And we learn that of a, 
of a, um, at a young age, right? Like, mm-hmm. Oh, you, d- you cleaned your room. I love mm-hmm. you so much. Mm-hmm. And be- because you did this, you know, you got to mm-hmm. earn love mm-hmm. and that it, it warps us. Right. And, and, you know, you can't really fault other people for saying those sorts of things because, mm-hmm. well, we all live in this kind of warped nature of what mm-hmm. is love that first it's something that's given. It's something that's received before it's you know, and then the response is our response to love. Like that's the way it should act is God loves first loves us. Not that we, Mm -hmm. that's what first John says, right? Mm -hmm. God first loves us. Not so much that we have loved him, but that this kind of response to his love is, Mm -hmm. is the way we live our life, not doing things to earn it. Mm -hmm. Which is very hard. Yeah. And and, you know, there's been great heresies too, that have risen up in the church with that too. Um, I know my, my friend St. Therese, you know, in her time, that was a struggle she had too, and struggled against, struggling against like scruples and things like that because of that warped mindset sure. that you have to do X, Y, Z. And if you're doing X, Y, Z in this way, then you are loved. And she just couldn't understand that. But I love him and he loves me. And that just doesn't make sense to mm-hmm. me. Right. And so it is, is through her struggle with that, that heretical thinking that the Lord gives us her little way right? That it's not about these great things. It's about doing these, these little things with great love. Mm-hmm. Right. So, okay. And then we end in six Oh five. Yes. The end of the parable of the lost sheep, Jesus recalled that God's love excludes no one. And so we even hear this and it kind of quotes what's in the Eucharistic prayer um, at the, uh, the consecration of the blood of Christ uh, to give his life as a ransom for many. Now I'm, forgetting the exact part that that gets. So, and just this reminder that this is for, this is for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. Christ dies, not just for a few people, not just for those who were present, not just those who live in the Holy land, not just those who are baptized Catholics, but for the entire world, every human being that will ever exist, Christ died for. And so that line in there for, for many, you know, he died and poured out for for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. That's, that doesn't mean like many, but some of it, you're mm-hmm. not part of the many. Mm-hmm. It's actually as opposed to few, right? Mm-hmm. For many as opposed to um, just, a, just a handful of people. Yeah, and, and that was good. And they touched on that in this paragraph too, that that's not restrictive. And, right. and that was good to hear because I think by default, that's where you go with that. Right. Word. You think, well, some are excluded from that, right? <clears throat> which is really, it, which I mean, it's true, but mm-hmm. it's really weird that we think that mm-hmm. way. Like when it says Jesus died for a lot of people, mm-hmm. well, well, what about those ones he didn't die for? Like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. Mm-hmm. It's just like a ton of people, mm-hmm. meaning everybody, mm-hmm. but anywho. Yeah. So there is not, never has been, and never will be a single human being for whom Christ did not suffer. That's a great like summation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. So, so recapping, there's division in the trial of Jesus, right? With the mm-hmm. Jewish authorities, right? So he did have some secret followers. All weren't so vehemently opposed to him. Jews are not respond collectively responsible for Jesus's death. Our sins put Jesus on the cross. And then we talk, and then this last section talked about this was all worked out in divine providence. Christ came here. It was revealed in scripture. He came here to redeem us. All of this for us, right? And that this proves to us how much God loves us, that even though we were sinners, Christ mm-hmm. came to die for us. That was my 10 second version of what we just talked about. It was a great 10 second version. I think you hit everything and uh, with utmost clarity. Dynamite. Dynamite. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, is it dark time? I think so. Okay. So we'll see if we can do better than we did uh, pre-recording. 
Otherwise, I'll just keep my back towards you too. I'll give a dart in my neck then. We won't go there either. <laughs> okay. Okay, throw the dart before I really start going here. Whoa. <laughs> throw the That's dart. That's all I can say. Just a throw dart the dart. in your neck. Just huh? throw the dart. <laughs> a lot of things I would like to say just, about that. Just throw it. Uh, I think the last time I throw it, was that the time I had to throw it like eight times? Uh, I think it was the time before that. What am I shooting for? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't care. Okay. Ooh, human freedom. Human be freedom. 1730 to 1742. 17, human 17, freedom. 1730. Yes, we're in the 17s. So this is like the moral stuff, huh? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you think maybe next time we'll do the Braveheart shout? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know about you, but that's what I was just thinking. I guess thinking. I just did it. Yeah, I was just thinking that too. Mm. So I the, these last two like scripture that they quoted here at the end about God's mm -hmm. love for us really stirred my heart. And so I thought if it's okay with you, I would just end with um, scripture from Romans five. Is that, sure. a, is that cool? <laughs> what if I said no? I, I know I ask you just, um, it's just a formality. Okay. At this point. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so Romans five, one through 11. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we still were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation.